Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Now that Tucker Carlson has been exiled from the Fox News, and nobody, I, I mean, watches it anymore. Nobody I know watches it. And the games that uh, Fox News is playing, leaking stuff out against Tucker, pretending that it's information that you must know about Tucker, which really is nonsense. They're leaking on him to destroy him. That's not good. But I've got a solution. Our next guest, Dan Proft. He's got the intellectual heft. He reads books, real books. And he reads books that were written centuries ago. Wow, like Thomas Aquinas. And he's our guest on the Chicago Way podcast with Jeff Carlin, executive producer of WGN Radio, and me, John Cass, executive editor of johncastnews.com. And you know where you are? With the media holding another pity party for itself and Fox News crumbling and Dan Proft waiting in the wings and Chicago Tribune and its editorial board not knowing who they hate more, Dan or me? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way, that's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. You know how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. If Fox News wants to survive, there's probably one person that they should hire to replace Tucker Carlson. They need somebody with intellectual heft, deviousness, a devil-may-care attitude, and uh, a guy who really doesn't give two figs what others think. And that's none other than our guest, Dan Prof, from the morning answer to New York and the Fox Studios where you should be running that show. Dan? Thank you so much, John. Can't I just do it from Florida like Tucker did? <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. Well, do I have we, to go to New York? No, I, I think you could do it from New York, but I'd like you to do it from Florida, and particularly <laughs> from a fishing boat where you're, um, you know, casting flies for tarpon. Yeah, this is tarpon. Well, I mean, don't let's not make this, you know, idle chatter. Let's, you know, you need to get on the blower as my agent at large and uh, start to, you know, work in with the uh, the Murdoch consortium. I, I would I won't work with them, but I ha- I have <laughs> this is just won't for work you. with them. Yeah, would no, you? Thank you so I much. Mean, this isn't going to go well, Dan. It's yeah, not, what? yeah. I'm, I'm not I, a good it's agent. Like I need I need a new agent at large you know, calling you know who, to say I'm not going to work with you. Hire my guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know you know who you need as an agent. 
I can think of none better than your two biggest fans. Of Don't the say Chicago, Bruce. Chicago Tribune, Eric Zorn and yeah. Greg Pratt. They would be. Yeah, they've got, they got a lot of heft. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectual. Uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain to your listeners who they are. Um, <laughs> nobody knows, nobody knows who they are. By the way, we well, know thought, we know Greg's a good fundraiser, so you got that going for you. Hi, yeah, 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 and and they could do like an ethics seminar along with an ethics seminar in modern journalism. Yes, you were offended by uh, Greg Pratt raising money from the people that he covers. He, you know, his uh, that 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 offended you. What what is what is wrong <laughs> with friends helping friends? Yes. Right, Chicago. I Ed. remember the day when we. We could not accept anything greater in value than a cigarette lighter. And by that, they didn't mean something platinum and inscribed. They meant like a big cigarette lighter, which was like 99 cents. And uh, for, for them, for, for the Tribune to allow its reporters, well, to, uh, to solicit money and benefit Financially, their their causes to benefit financially from people that they cover, like Kim Fox and all those others. I guess that's why uh, they had such a beautiful pity party for Kim Fox when they kicked it off. You know, it started. Well, off- but I mean, it's, it, but hasn't this been going on uh, in different ways for decades? I mean, no. the, the ethics policies notwithstanding. Oh no, I mean, Rick Pearson was on Scott Fayetteville's favors list. Did we forget that? Rick Pearson oh, was on Scott really? Fowler's favors oh, list that's right. 25 Pe- years ago. Well, you have to tell people who Rick Pearson is because they might not know. Rick, Rick Pearson is a, tr- a transactional uh, flack for the Combine who uh, has a byline at the Tribune where he pretends to be a political reporter. That's who Rick actually, Pearson is. And, he's, actually, and, 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 that, and he pretends to be a political reporter uh, when he's not you know, blind drunk and getting arrested for DUIs. So um, that's who Rick Pearson is. But I mean, 25 years ago, he was on Faywell's favors list because uh, according to Faywell and the George Ryan team, they got his wife a job at Secretary of State's office. So, so I mean, maybe Faywell was assuming things, not in evidence, but I don't think so. Not based on the actual uh, work product of Rick Pearson. He's a, he's a, I mean, and, and frankly, you know, may he rest in peace, Steve Neal at the Sun-Times. These two quote-unquote political reporters back when the Tribune and the Sun-Times were relevant were transactional, and everybody inside the political arena knew it. Well, I, I didn't know it, and I, I did not know that uh, about Steve, and I didn't know that uh, Rick was uh, on the favored list, and I did ask him mm-hmm. about it. I asked him about it, and he got very upset. I don't think he's ever forgiven me for asking him about it. Oh, he doesn't. He only asks the questions. He doesn't like to have questions asked of him. Interesting. He, he, yeah. he took great umbrage. Great umbrage. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I don't think he ever forgave me. Yeah. Well, but, but I mean, you know, you know how this uh, plays out with s- certain reporters. They're um, they have sacred cows. They have a point of view. Imagine that. And there's only a limited amount of uh, political diversity, if I could use that word, <laughs> that they'll tolerate. So, so Judy Bartopinko was an acceptable Republican, and George Ryan was an acceptable Republican. But anybody 
uh, you know, uh, to the right of those individuals. In other words, anybody who had any actual belief system and wasn't just another combine player with an R next to their name. Well, those are people that need to be stopped and marginalized and ridiculed and demonized. And that's mainly what the Chicago Press Corps has done for the last, well, 25 years, as long as I've been around in this arena. Well, a lot of that involved uh, the big news headline maker last week was the Ahmed Four trial. I loved your take on that, Dan. What were you calling that? The, the undercard to the Madigan uh, trial? Yeah, right. It's the, the appetizer. It's, uh, right. it's the palate cleanser. Um, yeah, but the, the, thing, the thing about the comment four and those convictions, and, um, you know, John, you came on uh, Morning Answer to talk about it, my show, and, and, and I, you know, and it's like, I, I don't have any, like, I, I don't really, I think I've met John Hooker, the comment lobbyist, uh, once or twice. I, I don't ever didn't know him. Mm. I've had lunch with Jay Doherty a few times. Yeah, nice enough guy. I, I I don't know his business, but you know I interacted with him at the city club back when uh, yeah. conservatives were allowed to attend those lunches. That's a long time ago. <laughs> um, and uh, and so so there's like there's nothing personal, the uh, premature, and uh, there's nothing personal there. But it was so it wasn't that fine if they ran afoul of the law uh, by doing the things that everybody in Springfield does every day. But they are the ones that got caught. Well, you got caught. Everybody's breaking the law. You say, well, everybody's doing it, not much of a defense. So I'm not quibbling with the jury verdict, um, right. but I am quibbling with the jury's perspective. And that juror that did the post-verdict presser from Logan yes. Square, who's an eight of eight Democrat primary voter, standing up there and decrying corruption and saying how, you know, essentially they were aghast at what she learned was happening in the city, in the city and the state because they're inextricably linked. And that, you know, this was a message that we want things done on the up and up and we don't want any funny business going on in state government. We are tired of um, political corruption in general. And, um, you know, we are hoping that this is a first step so that Illinois can function better. I mean, what a either a incredibly naive or an incredibly (laughs) disingenuous and I don't really care which. Uh, representation right. of her view. First of all, sh- that's not true. She voted for the people that have made uh, Illinois the worst governed state in the country, and 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 as ChatGBT <laughs> informed <laughs> us this week, if you could boil uh, Illinois down to one word, what would that one word be? Corrupt. So, right. she, so 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 it's for to listen to people pretend that they are care about good government that they are corruption busters is that is, that's what's offensive to me. This, the, the electorate well, and members of the electorate that are, that are rock wait, red wait. died in the wool Democrats telling me sure. how much they could care about good government. Here's what's So th- that woman who you, that you're is that I know that woman, she's actually our veterinarian for our cats. And Christine used to work with her. <laughs> are you serious? For three, my wife. Yeah. Oh my my wife over there for you should years. have Jeff on the show. No, get talk get, about his cat. Set, set, set her up to set her up to come on my show after she does her Chicago Way podcast on your show. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I don't know if she's she's up for the the meat the grinder that would be either show, but she is. I, your point is. I mean, I get your point, Dan. But that woman is is probably more my naive to it than anything, and I think it's really more indicative of what you were just talking about. The idea of you know these, these heritage or whatever reporters who are or media that's tied into the you know the fixes in 
they don't she she's been living in a world that she doesn't realize that when she sits to this this trial and they explain it lay out just how blatantly obvious it is how things are going and how run-of-the-mill it seems i think she's genuine in the fact that she's like wait what the hell is happening like i've been fed this oh the democrats wow. do great things for this state for my whole life and i think she's a, a, as much a victim of the fix of this state and and naive to what's really going on i think i think she's genuine in the fact that she doesn't She's blown okay. away by how run of the mill it is. Well, you 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 know her, so I'll con- you know I'll, I'll defer to your judgment. Well, I, yeah. No, 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 no. Wait push, a second. I'll defer push to, back I'll, from Jeff Carlin wins. No, no, no. Oh, I'll okay. defer to you, I'll defer to your judgment on her naivete because I don't know her. I said naive or disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I won't on victim. Right. She's not a victim. Uh, she, she. This is somebody. I'm guessing. You tell me. And I'm sure she's a lovely person and a good veterinarian. I don't really care. Um, she considers herself a good person. She considers herself a civic-minded person, right? That's why she consistently votes in Democrat primaries. She's participating. She's doing her civic duty. And you see what's going on in the city. She lives in Logan Square. You see what's going on in the city and the state? Glory and and that, that is willful blindness. That is not a defense to, uh, mm-hmm. to not knowing. I'm being willfully blind. I'm pretending not to see what I have to know is happening. I have to know it. She, it's not like she has a cone around her head. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's uh, vet jokes. I like it. Um, but so the point there is being that like, she's the violence, the crime, like you're saying that, that she's uh, oblivious to something afoot, or something foul. I mean, but they're good people. But, my, Jeff. Well, but good see, that's people. my point is that you get there's so many people that are blind to this stuff or think that it's in their best interest or just too trusting for the, the people that they say, oh, I'm going to do the best for you in Springfield. She's not 21 I mean, years I, old. She lived through no, Rob Blagojevich. Yeah. She lived through George Ryan. Right. She's lived through any number of city council members and state legislators going to prison. And she's she, w- corruption, you say? <laughs> I mean, come on. Shocked, shocked, I say. I, my point was really more the fact that, that you, you, you read the things that were happening and the verbiage and all this in the trials so that came out. And it's so blatant what they're doing. That to sit there and someone be forced to watch this for days on end and be like, they were this obvious about what they're doing? Like, how is this not a thing? And, and then, then the perpetrators are like, we didn't do anything wrong. Let's just how business works. I think there's that disconnect that people, the average person doesn't really realize how blatantly and carelessly obvious this stuff is. You know, I, mean, what? That, I, would, I, I, would, my... I would have more uh, empathy for her ignorance if she said, you know what, uh, I... Oh, people, an apology. Uh, what I learned in this trial is that I've been completely asleep and I haven't been paying attention the way that I should. And I haven't thought to myself when I see these stories month after month about graft and corruption and fiscal mismanagement and exodus from the state because people can't afford to live here. I, di- I didn't connect the dots. I didn't put the time in. And it doesn't take a lot of time, but I didn't put the time in to actually think to actually put my old thinking cap on and say, God, what the heck is happening to this place that I call home where I have a family and a business and that should concern what something's happening. It should concern me. I'm going to put a little thinking to this. Um, If she would have said something like that, rather than pretending that she's a good person because she just struck a blow against this, then I would have been a, a little bit more considerate. But this lack of accountability, I'm an innocent bystander. You know, I uh, I'm I have no uh, culpability here. That just isn't tolerable to me. 
if I'm Mike Madigan's uh, attorney, I do not let you on the jury. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people need you to apologize to you, Dan, then the way the state's been for the last 25 years. Exactly. It is clear, it is clear that the people... That the people who are on trial here, in my mind, are all those who believe stupidly, like fools, that uh, if we get Mike Madigan, if Mike Madigan goes to prison, then ding dong, the witch is dead, and everything is going to be fine. Corruption ends in Illinois, right? Right. Meanwhile, you're. (laughs) Meanwhile, you can't. You can't go down. Walk down the street for fear of being attacked by one of the thugs let, let out from the jail by Kim Fox and her and company. And there is no social, there's civic order. Everything's collapsing. And that's okay. Let's focus on Mike Madigan because that's what we do. Well, and then again, the combine, you know, you, you need boogeymen yeah. and you need misdirection plays. And to, to still be talking about Madigan and Burke when they are gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so what, so is that like you know when they're gone they are gone so right. and so so how's it going now now that they're gone <laughs> I don't uh, think Chris Walsh can herd the cats that's what I think well I think yeah but them. but but there's so many more cats and it doesn't matter and there's so few uh, and and, <laughs> right. and there's and there's no there's no opposition so right. it doesn't matter I mean they just roll and and you know and you have then you have some you know trust trust fund a doofus like Pritzker a follow in and paper it all over with personal money. So it, 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 I mean, the, the Madigan and Burke it, it, it made this comparison before, but it's like, it's like, it'd be like, it's like getting Joey the Clown Lombardo when he's 85 years old and say, you know, we've dealt a fatal blow to crime families, right. uh, the, the syndicate in Chicago. It's just, come on. Uh, uh, Madigan Burke, fine. But- you know what the n- great newspapers of Chicago are are really concerned about, and it's not they're not concerned about uh, the the systemic and endemic corruption. What they're concerned about is Dan Proft has a newspaper. Yeah, right. The Chicago Tri- the Chicago Tribune in a s- searing editorial uh, accused Proft when. Fake newspapers were propaganda masquerades as news. Are they talking about themselves and George Soros, or are they talking about Dan Prof? I guess they are. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think. Right. I think they don't. I think that the Tribune. I don't know who they hate more, me or you, and I think probably you. No, I'm pretty sure it's Dan. Sorry, Dan. Well, that's all right. I'll I'll push on uh, in spite of that. <laughs> um, so. You know, the th- I mean, we, we talked about this uh, before, too, last year during the election. Um, so the challenge to the Tribune uh, or any of these other uh, legacy outlets that don't like the papers with which I'm affiliated is, um, all right, well, just, just point to stories. Since we have all right. the stories, you have all the copies, just point to stories and say, say what is inaccurate? What is without right. foundation? What, what facts do we have wrong? They never, it's always the uh, sort of wraparound smear or wrap up smear, I guess is the terminology. That's the Nancy Pelosi like that, where you, um, you, you get a newspaper to write something, you, you know, do an oppo drop, you get something to write something on a political opponent, and then you, mm-hmm. you merchandise it. Then you pick it up and say, look what the Chicago Tribune reported, the wrap up smear. Right. And that's what this is. It's just generic. It's just, it's just name calling. But this is what the left does with everything. 
you're a right-wing extremist. Which, which positions of mine are extreme? Oh, I don't want to litigate yeah, individual yeah. positions. I just, you're just a right-wing extremist. Um, which stories were inaccurate? Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to discuss specific stories. You're just a propagandist. When we had David Griesing on the show on Morning Answer after he wrote this op-ed in the Tribune, torching, he torching foolishly, me. He foolishly came upon on your show. Yeah. Again, I, against my better, I would not have, I would have said, David, you're not ready for this. Don't. <laughs> Don't fight Apollo Creed. You're not ready. For this. Well, I mean, he, 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 right, and and he, he, he knew nothing. He didn't have any. Yeah. It, and his entire column was just invective and name calling in my direction, the direction of the newspapers, uh, political propaganda, sucking political propaganda. Right. right. Yeah. But, but, but sucking then, up to the editorial board. But then, then he didn't have he didn't have any specifics, no. and he didn't even rec- he didn't even realize how long the papers had been around. He didn't even realize there had been print editions well before the 2022 campaign. I mean, they don't. It doesn't matter that they don't know anything because uh, <laughs> they're just in the business of uh, being smear merchants for their political allies. That's what they do, and. Uh, I mean, this just comes across over and over again. And I mean, to get demoralizing, especially from the uh, a, the uh, NPR Times there that used to be the <laughs> AFL-CIO <laughs> Times. I mean, it's really something right. to behold. They, you know, they're, they're above uh, above the fray. They have no particular point of views. They have no trappings with institutional interests. I mean, come on. So. That's just what they're going to continue to say as they continue to lose market share. They see, they, I think they see the the papers that since they don't do local news, I see they 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 see the papers as a threat. I they think that they see transparency in terms of point of view as a threat because they're not, and um, you know their model is dying, and um, there are new models that are emerging to replace them. We were we had uh, Tom Bevan on last podcast talking about the pity party that uh, they're holding for themselves in the American media. Yeah. And uh, it's obvious when they, when you read something like from uh, the New York times, Maureen Dowd uh, dirge about newsrooms and how they were once so romantic and they're now no one's in them. And I, I, I just felt it was like embarrassing to read it. When she doesn't mention once any kind of one reference to credibility issues, not one reference to suppressing Hunter Biden's story, not one reference to uh, the FBI and uh, collusion, nothing. And I thought, my God, this is how far they've fallen. They can't even acknowledge what they've done. And uh, they're done. It's toast. I don't see... A way back. Well, let's just say, I mean, it's going back to comparison it to Jeff's veterinarian friend. I mean, it's just, they're so self, (laughs) they're so self-referential. They can't believe they're in this place. Yeah. Because they're worthy. So Dan, uh, speaking of education in uh, the political system of Illinois, what, what's this thing you posted? It was April 30th about the township AP calculus in Evanston township high school. And then I believe there's been, been some developments since then. What is this? Yeah, so Evanston, uh, Evanston Township High School, the wild kits, not cats, kits. <laughs> right. Uh, they, um, in their course offerings, this is from their school's website, happened upon their course offerings, AP Calculus. And there were two uh, sections of AP Calculus. 
One was restricted to uh, students who identify as black, and another was restricted to students who identify as Latinx, which would be zero because even Latinos don't identify as Latinx. But anyway, right. yeah. um, so the point is to say that you have neo-segregation going on. And that was the charge I made. I'm, I'm just using their language from the, right. their course description. And so um, Mark Perry, who's a, a econ professor emeritus at the University of Michigan and now sort of like a full-time Title IX and Title VI watchdog, he saw the tweet, he picked it up. He sent a letter to the Office of Civil Rights, filed a complaint essentially the Office of Civil Rights Department of Justice saying this is these are clear violations of Title yeah. IX and Title VI with right. respect to race and, and gender discrimination. And he, he actually looked deeper into the catalog and found three more instances on the gender front. Uh, and, and, and then, so, and so we started to talk about this and the implications and, and frankly, we shouldn't be surprised because uh, we covered a story in 2021 where a, a, a black mom in Atlanta had to sue the school district to stop the segregation of grade school kids by race. There were literally, literally two grade school classes for black students only and six, uh, uh, grade school classes for whites only. And she was like, what, what, what are we doing here? The principal, she went to the wow. principal and the principal said, yeah, this is what we're doing. I think this is the best learning environment for these kids. So, I mean, uh, you, know, you had an Atlanta grade school principal essentially overturn Brown v. Board of Education by herself. This is what's happening in K through 12 education. And I don't think people realize. Wow. So anyway, back to Evanston. So, so this gets a lot of traction online and you know, people a lot more important than me pick it up and Mark Perry files this complaint with the Office of Civil Rights. So then the next day, without any announcement or explanation, they changed the language in the course offerings, Evanston Township High School does, yeah. where it's uh, now, um, it's not, any student can part, any student can uh, take this AP calculus uh, section, can join this AP calculus section, but there'll be special resources for students who identify as black. Any student can take this AP calculus Latinx section, but there'll be special resources for Latinx students. What, like help with the test? What? Yeah. Well, here's the verbiage. While open to all students, this optional section of the course is intended to support students who identify as black. Right. Right. Well, what is that about? Well, well I, so, that's so, the thing. So, so yeah. actually, there was an interview that uh, the Daily Northwestern of all outlets, my former nemesis uh, when I was at Northwestern, uh, uh-huh. where the representatives from the school talked about what they were going to do to close the gap in terms of AP calculus classes being taken and test scores from those classes between black, white, you know, et cetera. And they said specifically, well, we, we, you know, in the, in these classes, we're going to talk about microaggressions. We're going to talk about the systemic uh, hurdles that, that students of color face in terms of success doing, uh, you know, having success with AP classes. So it was, so that's the mind and special help and so on and so forth. What it what it may ultimately mean is uh, is goosing the test scores. I, well, I don't right. know I mean, that. That's, that's a theory, but that's what it may ultimately mean. Because obviously, you wouldn't. You're not going to say that out loud. But that's what I think they're getting to, one way or the other. You're absolutely right. I mean, that. I mean, that's the way it would. The only thing that would make sense here, because you're trying to get the kids to pass the test by taking time in class away from learning how to pass the test 
to learn about why they may not pass the test? Is that that's the the logic loophole we're supposed to jump well, through? Well, he, here's like, the thing. Here's the thing. We got an uh, email at uh, my radio show from a a, t- a teacher who teaches um, AP calculus at a school in, in the mm-hmm. Southwest Burbs, and uh, she was saying like, so. Um, so as colleges move away from SAT, ACT, which she's not necessarily right. opposed to, actually, um, what, yeah, one of one of the the indicator courses that they're using for admission is AP Calculus. Right. And so, so now, so now, if AP Calculus is turning out to it is it's going to more and more become a de facto SAT, sort of a gatekeeper exam, threshold clearing exam, then. Now you see the the race hustlers, the identitarians, focusing on AP calculus, and we're going to have to get our scores up for students of color in AP calculus in order for them to get into colleges. And so we need all hands on deck to figure out how to how to close that. I mean, and this is this is just this is just the numbers. I'm not making commentary. This right. is the numbers to close a gap that exists with respect right. to students taking and the performance uh, by the students who take those courses. Um, so, so I think that's what's going on, but just one other point on the, on what they did. So, you know, um, I had a conversation with Mark Perry who filed a complaint. He's like, well, um, they're still in violation of title six because you said, well, we're going to provide anybody. The other section is optional open to anybody, but we're going to do this for black students. The section is optional, but we're going to do this for Latinos. Well, then you have to, that's still discriminatory. Then you have to have separate sections say it's open to anyone, but we're going to provide special resources to whites and special resources to Inuit Eskimos and special resources to every thing under the sun when you start counting and providing benefits or disparate treatment by race. Did they ever ever think about providing special resources to kids of Indian or Chinese extraction? No. Well, well, right. Those Those are the kids that they attack on the street. Well, yeah, and discriminated against in college admissions. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but, but, so they, they, they didn't really cure it. I mean, you know, the Office of Civil Rights. Oh my gosh, not even close. Yeah, right. But so how that complaint would ultimately play out. But the point is, the, the larger point is that literally de facto segregation is the logical end game yeah. of this absurdity of identitarianism. And this is just another expression of it. People are surprised, but they shouldn't be. For people who don't know, I mean, Evanson's is just north of Chicago, very affluent uh, in parts, and you know, has is overall a wealthy township, and also I think the first city in the nation to start paying uh, reparations for reparations for people who were housing by redlining, apparently housing grants. Yeah, Yeah, right. right. Yeah, they still fly the hammer and sickle in Evanston. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, that that leads into uh, Heather McDonald's new book um, about race and uh, merit, doesn't it? Well, right. I mean, so meritocracy is uh, for people who haven't been attuned to this. Meritocracy is something that is under assault because it is a vestige of white supremacy. So say the identitarians, and you're going to hear this more and more. And more and more explicitly from in Chicago, because that is the perspective of uh, BLM branded Johnson and the Chicago Teachers Union, and um, and and so yeah, and so one of the one of the ways this will express itself, I'm think I'm guessing, is mm-hmm. they're going to gut magnet schools, they're going to gut you know uh, any the schools that have admissions policies. So so Walter Payton for 
whatever you think Peyton is now, it's not going to be the same after Brandon Johnson, the teachers union gets away with it. They don't like magnet schools. They don't like charter schools and they don't like school choice. So expect all of those things to take a hammering, including, I would argue, the end of the school choice program, the opportunity scholarship program in Illinois, which has more than 10,000 beneficiaries at this point. They are coming for that. I don't care what anybody else says. I know they are. And, no, um, and, and this, exactly. you know, anything that provides competition to their central control is something that they will undermine whether you know it's a frontal assault or or a backdoor one but that that's what's coming but dan and jeff the people allowed this they understood they if, if they didn't didn't understand they should have they're they're sentient beings or they pretend to be they voted for this um bolshevik fool named brand brandon johnson a, a functionary of tony preckwinkle basically a puppet and a leftist puppet at that they should have known, and they they didn't. Well, and, uh, well, Rich Honky, the Rich Honkies who send their right. kids to magnet schools are going to find out the hard way, because um, uh, you know th- those days are coming to. Well, uh, there's going to be a new reality. I'll say that, and I just I love what's happening here too. For all these identitarians prattle on about racial equity, and you have white honk, you have rich white honkies like uh, Kathy Griffin the head of the Illinois Education Association, telling black moms they can't send their kids to private school. Uh, t- t- tell me more about race equity. Where, do, where, does, where, does, uh, where does Jelly Belly Pritzker send his kids? Where did they go to high school? Where, where, where did Don Harmon, the Senate president, send his kids? Oh, Ignatius. Where did Chris Welch, the House Speaker, send his kids? Oh, Timothy Christian. But uh, hey, a black mom in Hyde Park, uh, a Latino uh, family in Little Village. No, no private school for you. You don't get private school. You get what we give you. Tell me more about race equity. There it is, Dan Proft. <laughs> I love it, Dan. Um, Dan, that's why Dan should be Tucker, the new Tucker Carlson. The, 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 not the new Tucker Carlson, the new Dan Proft. Well replaced. Look, right? He has the intellectual heft. Others don't have it. They might be very nice people, but they just don't have that heft. You don't see it anywhere in broadcast. I mean, look at our old uh, stomping grounds of. Uh, WLS, for example, that used to be a conservative station. Dan was there. Jeff was there. I was there. I don't know what it is now. It's sort of like a pantomime for fools who think about becoming conservatives, but really don't have the guts to do it. I don't, I don't know what they're about. So I think Dan, you should embrace this step boldly into the light and become the new Tucker Carlson. Well, I, I, I would be, um, I'd be honored. Um, It'd, it'd be fun. Then I wouldn't have to go to Jim Durkin's garage sale. I could buy new stuff. <laughs> you know, if I got the Tucker Carlson gig, yeah, you buy go. your yeah. own leather chair, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, well, bow tie is not included. All right, Dan. Well, thanks. Uh, where, where can people find you if, if they want to follow you? What's your handle on the the old Twitter these days? Uh, at Dan Proft on Twitter and Chicago's Morning Answer. Uh, morninganswerchicago.com is where you can track me down. You can listen to Dan on the Chicago Morning Answer, or you can listen to him if you got the uh, app. You can listen to the podcast without the commercials. Which do you prefer? I think the commercials, right? Uh, Who, me? Yes, you, Dan. (laughs) Uh, 
I don't listen to the show. I, I just do it. Right. Oh, you don't, you don't oh, go back. Which do I prefer you listen to? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Uh, you know, hey, whatever's hey, you know, float your own boat. Whatever is convenient. I, I know a lot of people like the podcast, Sans commercials. I know our advertisers like the the full four hour show with commercials, but you know, for obvious reasons. But um, but we've got them embedded elsewhere in the under, online. So whatever makes it easy. If I knew anybody at the Tribune now, I'd maybe suggest you write a column there, but. I really don't want. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. giving their they're uh, giving their product away one dollar six months for a dollar. That's nothing. Six months for a dollar. Yeah, boy. Um, they can't. Uh, they're gonna have. Yeah, that's an interesting volume play. I don't think it's gonna work. The, I mean, you, the you, best you, the you, best you, decision. You I can't give made. it away. The content. I mean, yeah. you know this, John, yeah. since you're a content creator, yeah. is that you know you can't get around terrible content. I mean, you can get, you can, you can give it away for free. You can try to force me to read it. You can't make it work in terms of a business model. It's just terrible content. Well, sometimes people, and some people can't even get their contact out, their content out. For example, Glenn Lowry, his podcast has been shut down, hasn't it? On YouTube, correct? I mean, that's Glenn Lowry's podcast got shut down. I didn't see that. Yeah. No, I hope not. The one he does, where he's got McWhorter on yeah, all the time right. with him. I'm just like, well, maybe he said something, you know, like meritocracy is uh, <laughs> or merit based grading or something is good. And YouTube put him in the penalty box for two weeks or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I mean that's well, this is the right. You got to build your own castles. We got to build more and more people. Got to build their own castles out there, like JohnCastNews.com. The best decision I ever made. Best financial decision I ever made in my life. And one thing now, can I ask you but, something for a personal thing, Dan and Jeff? You know, I've been out for several months now since January with the stroke and the heart issue. But I want to get back in the saddle. And uh, I just, people say, don't push it. You're, you know, your therapy's going well. But I just have to, I don't know. I, I don't see how I can keep going without providing people fresh content from me. Because that's what they're paying for. I don't know. I I, 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 I got to do it. Well, well, I think I think you know. I mean, yeah. I think go go at your own pace. Uh, I, I know you're you're getting to the other side of it, and things are improving. But um, people want John Cass content. But they also want John Cass uh, kicking. So you know, you got to balance the two. <laughs> yeah, I guess I choose between getting a, a deadline or being alive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I at the end yeah. of the day, I'd choose dead, alive over the deadline. That's that would be my advice. Dead men don't produce content, John. There you go. Yeah. Dead men will only wear plaid, as we know. Right. All right, Dan. Thanks so much for being here again, and it, thanks for having me on. Your, John. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, sir. John and Jeff, thank you so much. Always great talking to you guys. So Dad. what? What golf course now? Are you going to a golf course? Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, quite a quiet locker room you're in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you caught me at a rare moment where I'm not at a golf club, uh, but um, spin class? I, that will that will be that will be remedied this weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got to go to Pilates. I got to get back to Pilates. John, you should do Pilates. Yeah, I want yeah, you yeah. to get back to. I want you to get back to fishing because uh, I got a buddy, and you know him, uh, living in Naples. Yeah, Steve, the pilot. waiting for you to come down so we can yeah. we can do some fly fishing in Marco. Wow, that'd be something. As long as I can do it from a boat, I don't have to walk. Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. All right, buddy. We can arrange that. Thanks, All right. Dan. Thanks, Dan. Take care, guys. Bye.
or Dan Proft, extraordinary. Perhaps the best replacement for Tucker Carlson, yes, I agree. And for Jeff Carlin, executive producer, WGN Radio, my friend and master of cats, future physics teacher. And for me, John Cass, editor-in-chief of your favorite website, johncassnews.com, where you can get some real common sense about the news in the city and the region and the country, and it's not woke. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.